the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hi. Hi. Glad you're tuning in. Um, Happy Sunday. Yeah. Happy Sunday. Happy, happy, happy. Happy Sunday. We are so glad you're tuning in to listen to this episode today. This show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have a detox and recovery program. So if you or a loved one is struggling with any sort of substance use disorder, whether it's just chemical dependency, maybe you've been prescribed something for a long time and trying to figure out how to get off of it, uh, or acute addiction or chronic addiction. Oh, that's a cute addiction. Um, Did you have a cute addiction? No, mine was chronic all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But doesn't matter what sort of substance use disorder, we can help at Matthews Help or at least uh, provide referrals for the right kind of help that you might need. So give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-8. 4673. You'll press 1 for the intake or detox department, or you press 2 for the outpatient clinic where we also do IASIS, which is microcurrent neurofeedback and recovery coaching. And uh, you can also visit our website at www.mhdrp.org. And we thank you for listening to us on a Sunday at 1 p.m. KPRC 950. We get uploaded at the end of the day. We do. Yeah, we go to iHeartRadio. We got our own little podcast channel, Relevant Recovery Radio. You can just download the iHeartRadio app. It's free. Uh, The other cool thing about the iHeartRadio app is that if you want to listen to us, but you're not in the H-Town in Houston and you want to listen to us 1 p.m. Central, you can go on the iHeartRadio and listen to us for free on the KPRC 950 channel. Yep. And you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Relevant Recovery Radio. Has, have you received anything? You would put now, something Now, here's out. what's weird. I got a message from Meta, and it says that the Relevant Recovery Facebook page has been disabled for violating something. And I've, and I hate them. Uh, well, I, I truly hate Facebook, hate them. too. Yeah. But I don't even know if it's real, because I'm going to the Facebook page, and I can see everything. And so I need someone else to go and look and tell me what they see that's not me, because I own the page. So, But it, it looks like it could be phishing, like it's not maybe from Meta. Um, but the things I've posted this week, there's no likes or comments at all. And we usually do have a lot of that activity. And so I'm thinking maybe it is disabled. I'm super typically, confused. Typically with our government-sponsored social media that we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've done nothing useful, to violate communities. You have. You have. You've put out a public service to be helpful and useful, and they oh, don't, they like don't that. want that. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you were putting out some agenda that could hurt others or be divisive. They, they like w- that. Well, they'd amplify it. Yeah. They'd amplify it. So it's kind of ridiculous. But so I don't know how um, anything we could have posted uh, violated anything because I learned a long time ago, like uh, a year ago, they took down an ad I posted because I tried to use a picture of Carl Jung on the ad because we quote Carl Jung often. And he has, Did you call him and get permission? No. The issue was the picture of him. He was smoking an old tobacco pipe and it you can't show tobacco use apparently on Facebook. Wait, wait a minute. They literally minute. took down the ad because they're OK with. A lot of advertising stuff. children being mutilated, but yeah. uh, a man who's been dead for several years that was smoked a pipe. Wow. Yeah. This country's over. Yeah, it's in the crapper. 
Um, one thing that we do know, so we talk about all kinds of addictions on this show. Yeah. Right? We've talked about all of them. All addictions. You know what addiction is not prevalent in Houston? What? Good driving. <laughs> good driving is not a prevalent addiction. <laughs> I don't know if you could be addicted to good, but I think it's so crazy. You're a pretty good driver. So I'm a you, great driver. you follow I have car never spec. had a you... traffic violation of any sort in my entire life. But you have seven felonies. How weird That's is that? That's different. I'm a dumb drug addict. <laughs> I'm not street smart. I'm street stupid. Um, but I am... A, well, I grew up in Oklahoma. It's very slow-paced. It's courteous. You use your blinker. Here's the thing about driving in Houston. doesn't matter who you talk to. Everybody that lives in Houston loves to gripe about the drivers in Houston. Because, While they do well, the things they gripe they about. But they all suck, too. <laughs> I think you suck. I think I don't suck. Well, wait a minute. You're better than you used to be. Wait, but what? I would even say, everybody listening to this show right now, I'm sorry, you're a horrible driver. Just the chances are <laughs> you're dumb. There's um, going to be some people that are caught in that like collateral damage, and we're sorry to we're you sorry. four people. No, it's interesting because, okay, um, Houston people, I drive I-10 to 45 South to go downtown when I go to the detox every morning around 9.30 a.m. And it's so crazy. If you're going 45 north, you're going to get in far left lane. If you're going to continue on I-10 east, you're going to get in the third lane from the left. And so I'm in the second from the left lane because I'm going to go 45 south. So you get in your lane I early. Get, I get in my lane back at Washington. And just... Or Yale, at least. Right? And right. I ride it out. What I notice every morning is either people are cutting back into the lane that I'm in, that everybody needs to be in, because it's backed up all the way to, like, Studemont. But it's it's so disrespectful the way that people will ride out the other lanes and jump and cut people off. I look at it, the way that people drive and, and they jump into li- the line, every person behind us, we all have to scoot one car length back now, just for you. And well, then and someone then else the, will do it. There's the snake effect, right? Is the brake light snake that yeah, goes from beep, there beep, all beep. the way and it, back. And it shimmies everybody behind <clears throat> you back. So think of it this way. When you're driving and you need to get you into a lane. You are not the most important person on the road. No, it's, here's the deal. I look at it like if you go to an amusement park and you got to wait in line for a roller coaster, you wouldn't say, oh, there's a space up there. Let me go jump in it and cut <laughs> everybody in line. Yet that's what everybody in Houston does. Right. It's the most selfish, disgusting thing I've ever witnessed. And every time I'm in that lane, every morning, I see at least 10 people do it. It's common. that It's not one person. I see it for the 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I'm stuck in that little loop. Oh, it's I'm, a constant. I'm stuck there for 10 or 15 minutes because you are cutting in front and sending everybody else back one car yeah. lane. It's, it is a selfish, self-centered act. And so it's just sad. It makes me really sad that people drive that way. It must. They must think that this... That it's NASCAR, that they got to try to get in front of the person in front of them. Or because they're running behind, they don't care about the feelings. It's like you're trying to get somewhere, too. You can be courteous. Like, if you know you got to be in that lane, get in that lane farther back. Could you imagine what traffic would be like if everybody was courteous? How quickly we would There would be no traffic jams. I wouldn't be spending 15 minutes on that loop. Are you saying that you're pro-marijuana, that if everybody (laughs) would just smoke a little weed before they left the house? (laughs) Listen, I'm not pro-weed, necessarily, but... I just think people should take a look at their driving and see if it's selfish or not. I love that we opened today's show with a little PSA. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right (laughs) back with Relevant Recovery Radio. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier. We're here griping about stupid Houston drivers. Well, no, we're done with that. Okay. We're done with that. I want to talk about something else. We could do an entire show on it. Mm-hmm. Because the beauty is, is that when I've talked to people about Houston driving in they're the like, past, they're oh, like, I oh, know. no, no, they're like, oh, well, I'm from L.A., so <laughs> I'm, from, I'm New from New York. But then recently I've talked to people from Cali, from these places that supposedly had horrible driving, and they're like, no, 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 no. Here is so aggressive. I have aggressive. never seen such aggression from a soccer mom in my life. It's so interesting because out in other more populated areas, yeah, there's a lot of traffic, but it's just kind of like bumper to bumper. You're not really going anywhere sort of traffic. But here it is so aggressive that it makes me sad. Right. It's so selfish. Right. But I want to talk about something else that's selfish. Real you? quick. Oh, well, yeah, a you and me. self-reflection? Listen, uh, I think we got to let our listeners know an update with the mattress saga. Oh, my God, it's back. <laughs> we thought we were over this. We thought we were over this. So if you listened to our radio show um, a year or a year and a half ago. It was, well, it was literally black. 350 like, days ago. <laughs> August, September last year. Um, we spent months updating you on how much we hate every mattress that has ever existed. We like a firm mattress. Yes, you and I hey, like firm. We like a firm mattress. We like mattress. a firm mattress. We like a firm mattress. I like it a lot, but we can't find one. And so it doesn't matter what it costs. We we had an old mattress. Or to mattress. be firm for the first week, and then boom, you're back to divot. Yeah, and so Donnie and I weigh vastly different amounts, and so we need something that can support and not disturb but, the other. But I would also say that we're average. We're not overweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are... Five two one twenty, and I'm six foot two hundred. We're not big people. And so our original mattress, we had it about five years. It uh, maybe it it made do, and we were just like, hey, we need to upgrade. It has a dip in the middle. I mean, speaking of selfish, um, that mattress wouldn't allow me to sleep for about six or more months. I'd complain every day, mm-hmm. and you did not listen and blew me off until one time. <laughs> We went to an Airbnb. Oh, that mattress was horrible. And you had one bad night, and you literally stopped and paused like I had Does never said it. No, hold on a second. I was all for the new mattress like, after that. Listen, you go, you literally go, hey, is that what it's like for you every night? And I said, yes, Heather, it is. And you went, oh, we got to get a new mattress. So I support and I was getting ready. a new mattress. I just didn't want to spend a lot of money. So here's my psychological warfare. I told you we'd go to like uh, the mattressy place oh, and mattress, pick out something. Yeah. My mistake was I let you go in alone. So, listeners, check this out. So, replacement mattress number one was a $4,000 most expensive top of the line at this place because I let Donnie go in alone. And because. He bought, he bought because, the most expensive mattress in there. Now, my side of that story, <laughs> because you were being tight with the money, of which we have plenty, you were being tight with it, and that place was offering 0% finance. So, whatever. So, we got this um, hybrid so we could have something paid, another. We could have paid eighteen hundred to twenty two hundred and just bought the mattress we wanted, but I had to go with that option because you were being tight with so me. So I, re- I realized I made decisions based on self that later placed me in that position to be hurt. So okay. then um fast forward just a month or two, we hated that mattress. Yep. Hated it. And so I'm like, Well, dang it, we should have just went with the helix that you wanted. Yeah. You know, nineteen hundred. So we returned the beauty rest to the place. And we- that cost us Oh, about fifteen hundred. We, we lost fifteen hundred dollars plus by switching, plus the nineteen hundred to get the helix. Yeah. And um, I wanted to like the helix. You wanted to like the helix. I really helix. did. I like their style. And and I I do too. And I think that if you and I weighed equal amounts, or we could if have we been li- fine with the helix. If we liked a soft bed, yes, we'd be fine. So um, we now 
kudos to Helix. They returned well, and they had a place come pick it up and gave us a refund, yada, yada. And they donated the mattress. Yeah, I donated. like what they do. They so Helix, good. Good, good customer service. The mattress, blank. <laughs> that place, it's that a store on every corner. Trash. The mattress, blank. That was the expensive one that we didn't like. I won't at all. shop there again if they're giving it away. So, so we didn't like the Helix and return that. So we did some research and we yeah. found a company called Sattva. Now we are not. We are by not. By the paid. way, we're not paid to sponsor any of these people. This is just our life as chaotic as it is. <laughs> and unmanageability. All right. So we bought the luxury firm Sattva, which is the middle firmness, and we thought that'd be enough. And so we've had that one about three hundred and forty-five days, and about halfway. I didn't want to say anything. I wanted to just be happy with this freaking mattress. But you started to say some stuff. But I'm like, hey, do you do you think it's because we've already flipped it? We've already flipped it. We've already rotated it. Yeah. We have already done all of that, and we're not even a year in. Yeah. And and so it's definitely dipping. I don't know what we do in that bed that destroys every mattress, but something's not right. I can tell you what I tell my friends we do. <laughs> so you called Satva and you explained the scenario, and they they have amazing customer service. Oh, so I called the lady up, and I was like, yeah, I want to go ahead and return the mattress. Um, and she says, okay, well... Okay, no problem, but what what's wrong? And I said, it's dipping, it's the firm. We like a really firm mattress, blah, 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 blah. And she suggests, well, we have a firmer one. Okay. And I said, well, that's what's that going to cost? She goes, it's a $90 delivery return fee, mm -hmm. which I think is completely fair. Completely fair. Um, and she said, well, we'll get it out to you. We'll and just do so it. So their customer no service at Sattva was bar none. It was amazing. And Beyond so, amazing. So tonight... Uh, we're getting <laughs> mattress, mattress number four. Mattress. But here's the other thing she said, too. Firm. She goes, I, I said, I wasn't going to call. She goes, well, I'm glad you did because you only had about two weeks left. Which means if I would have called any time in that two weeks, it would have been a full year and they would have honored that. Yeah. A year. Mm -hmm. Like, that's amazing. So that's an amazing um, warranty. Again, like we're return. not being sponsored. We get nothing from nope. them. We've just had a really good experience So I'm excited them. to get this new ultra firm <laughs> mattress today tonight so just wanted to update our listeners mattress number four is gonna be slept on tonight we should call this mattress recovery radio <laughs> and we'll let you know how it goes please be praying that we both love the mattress <laughs> oh. i want to stick with sat but they're amazing i just want to sleep so uh let's jump to the topic because i know we we bantered a little bit about stuff but i want to talk about something your self-improvement let's get into this what can we mm. do to improve you and your attitude and your kindness toward others you should ask god <laughs> Only he's that powerful for any freedom to occur in that area. Um, now, I want to talk about the cycle of addiction today. And I mean the 12-step cycle of addiction, not the clinical cycle of addiction. There's actually two. I'm going to play new guy. Let's no, do it like this. No, no. no. Well, I'll get in on it. But you do this really well, and I'm going to play new guy. What, what is the cycle of addiction? So the cycle of addiction is a, a pattern of behavior of different stages, six stages to be exact, um, and you will find yourself in this cycle repetitively, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, if you happen to have chronic addiction. Um, and if you do, then you'll, you'll need something like the 12 steps or something like that to and get And what well. does this apply to? Does this apply only to drugs and alcohol? No, no, no. We're, we can get into that later. So you can but apply it to many things. You can things. apply it to any addiction. It doesn't matter if it's alcohol. Doesn't porn matter addiction, if it's porn. food addiction. Doesn't matter if it's prescription drugs prescribed to you. Doesn't matter if it's drugs off the street. Doesn't matter if it's shopping and lottery tickets or cheesecakes. Does not matter. If you are addicted to eating cat poop and constantly have kitty litter in your beard, <laughs> we can help you. Let's do yes, this. You got something in your beard, baby. Well, 
really <laughs> like that cat poop. So we got to talk about this cycle of addiction. I think it's very, very important information to present to the public because you or a loved one may find yourself in this cycle, not knowing what's going on, not knowing what's wrong with you or why this keeps happening. And the beauty is the only people that can really recognize... Is the self, the person. Right. If the cycle is happening, only you can recognize if you're in it. And so the first stage in the cycle is something that we call restless irritable discontented. This is when you're sober. Or sitting across from me in a radio studio recording a show. <laughs> no, seriously. So let's just stick to drugs or alcohol for now, and we can correlate it to other addictions later. Um, but this is when you don't have the substance in your system. Okay. So, so someone might call this a dry drunk, if you've ever heard that phrase. This is a drunk, but they're dry at the moment, meaning not wet, not drinking. Yeah. And so this is someone who's sober, not drinking, but they're plagued with anxiety, depression, boredom, irritability, discontentment, unhappiness. Gym rat, going to like uh, workaholic, yeah, workaholic, shopaholic. Shopping. Like they're trying to find ease and comfort in ways they can't find because they're not drinking or drugging. And so we're describing it as something because I thought I had horrible anxiety and depression issues my entire life. Turns out I didn't. I just had untreated alcoholism. Mm. And and so that's why the uh, regular psychotherapy ways of treating anxiety and depression never helped me. I just kept getting worse. I had no idea I was a dry drunk. No clue. And uh, and so. When you find yourself in that phase, this is when you're not using the substance at all yet. And it doesn't matter if it's a weekend or a week or five years. There's no time on it. it. Um, But you are quite concerned with you. You're quite obsessed with you and whatever you think will make you happy. Absolutely. And, And this can apply to people that have been sober one day, one hour or a year or two or five or 10. Like literally the time limit's wide open. Uh, So don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back here in a few minutes, and we'll continue to talk about the cycle of addiction on Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back. To Relevant Recovery Radio. I was taking a drink there. Sorry about that. Uh, She jumped in scared, even though I like to let it play I don't like silence. You can't have silence on radio. So It's weird. You really don't like silence, but you don't like me to talk all the time. I'm confused. Uh, it's different problems. Okay. Okay. Different strokes for different folks. You know what I'm saying? All right. So we're starting with the cycle of addiction. So the we're first starting stage, with the first stage, which is restless, irritable, irritable, and discontented. Yeah. You know that talk we heard the other night? Mm-hmm. The, the one on Monday? We went and heard that talk? I don't remember. Where, I don't remember where I was at Monday. The guy that came from the hill country. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you notice that he said restless, irritable, and discontent? I didn't. I did. So, uh, But it's discontented. Why discontented? Discontented is different than discontent. Discon- and I had never heard this discontented before. Discontented means habitually unhappy, chronically depressed, uh, without any real known cause or reason. Um, if I'm just discontent... Give me an example. Okay, let's say I, I'm dying of thirst. Yeah, real thirsty. Real thirsty, super dehydrated. Well, I would be discontent because I'm thirsty. Yeah. So if you handed me a gallon of water, I chug it, well, it'll quench my thirst, and then I become content. You are no longer thirsty. But if I'm discontented, there's mm-hmm. no amount of water that can quench my thirst. I'll keep drinking and drinking and drinking and still thirsty. 
And so in some respects, we go through life that way. So we go through life that way, constantly, habitually searching for happiness, searching for the things, searching for the go, goal. I need to go buy that thing, be that person's Marry friend, that guy, get whatever. the validation from that guy, get that promotion. I, there's all so these external things that I'm trying to do to feel content. It's this idea that I'll finally be happy when I have X, Y, Z in a row. And so you're searching for those things, but you may get those things and you're still unhappy. You're like, okay, then what is it next? And you're on to the next thing and on to the yeah, next thing. Okay. Yeah. So that's what we're talking and about. And it gives you counterfeit happiness. You may get, listen, if I go buy a brand new truck that I can't afford for the first two weeks, bro, you see my truck. Hey, you see my truck. Hey, you want to ride my truck? Look at my truck. Look at my truck. Like you're on top of the world. You have this counterfeit happiness, but within truck. three, four weeks, you're like, it's just a truck. And now I'm back to discontent. So again. here's the deal. I don't know how long... Any of our listeners can stand being restless, irritable, discontented without using a substance. But inside, you're like a garage door spring wound up so tight. One more thing goes wrong. You're just going to freaking snap. You're looking for an excuse to go get loaded. You're looking for an excuse yeah. to go do the thing. Me too right now. <laughs> and uh, stay with me. I'm with stay you. Stay with me. I want people to absorb this. And so what happens eventually is you go to the second stage of the, of the cycle. And, and we call it succumbing to the desire. And this symptom really is, um, the fellowship calls it mental obsession. It's really an insane moment. So you're sober here, but you have an insane idea that precedes the first drink or drug. Right. So if I haven't been drinking through that restless, irritable, discontented. You're searching for ease and comfort. It and hasn't been in my body, but right, this you're sober. first, I hit that, I get past restless, irritable, discontented, and boom, I put drink or drug number one in my body. And so when you look at it, it's like maybe you were debating it, maybe you weren't debating it. Maybe you just autopiloted into Specs parking lot. I don't know. Um, maybe my buddy Matt... He used to like go to different liquor stores, and when he was first when he was sober, he would buy bottles of liquor and just take them home and just put them in the closet or dump them out because he wanted to keep supporting their business. Wow. <laughs> well, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but thanks for that pointless information. <laughs> now I'll judge Matt a little bit more. Uh, um, love no, you, but Matt. what I'm saying is, you've been sober for a time here, and I don't yeah. care if you were sober two weeks or ten years. Why do you pick it up again? Why do you have an idea? And and maybe it's a swap substance scenario. Mm. Maybe you're trying to save away from the alcohol, but the benzo is fine because it's prescribed to me. It's not fine, Susan. You're eating them faster than they're prescribed to you. Mm -hmm. It's not okay. Adderall's not okay. <laughs> right. You've now cleaned the entire block of your street. <laughs> With your toothbrush. Yeah. And so when you're looking in context of this insane idea, you'll be able to look back in hindsight and realize it was a dumb idea to drink or get loaded or do that line or do that pill or smoke that thing. Yeah. Um, but in the moment you're insane and you don't have a defense against the first one the first pill the first drink and it's so why is the first one the bad <sighs> it, and it kind of goes with our next step it goes so our with next the ne step is the allergy so i think we need to explain All right, that real so fast. the third stage in this cycle of addiction so we have restless irritable discontented mm -hmm. then we put succumb to desire the first in our body drink or drug and, and then so boom. then the third phase is called the phenomenon of craving and so it's because you and I have this allergy to drugs or alcohol, meaning when I put it in my body, my body metabolizes it differently than the rest of the world, and I end up craving it more. And whether this is a gene or a whatever, we, we don't, don't know. know. We the don't why know. doesn't why, matter. But this is why we call it a phenomenon, because today it's still not explained in science. And I don't but really it is care proven about it. in science. It's proven, but I don't care about the explanation, I don't because either. here's what doesn't I know. It doesn't matter. When I put drink number one in my body, so I'm, I am a law-abiding drunk. I'm not a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was that cocaine thing. Um, but anyways, when I put drink number one in my body, 
there is a craving that begins to build inside of me and I want drink number two more than I want to drink number one. Mm -hmm. And then that craving builds and I want drink number three literally more than I wanted to. And it builds and builds and builds. And once I start, I have little to no control over the amount that I'm going to drink, no matter what my wife has told me or my work has told me or what. No, it doesn't, no consequences matter once it's in me. And so that's the one way to look at this allergy. If you ask yourself, do I have complete control over the amount once I start? If you don't, it's highly likely you have the allergy. I'll correlate it to drug addiction, right? So my drug addiction began with opiates that were prescribed to me after a surgery. Um, also Adderall, too. Adderall was prescribed to me. And so if you've ever abused a prescription medication, meaning you took more than prescribed, you have the allergy and you're guaranteed to abuse something like that again. Mm -hmm. It's not safe. And so for me, from a drug addict perspective, what I didn't realize is I'm an alcoholic, too, because my experience shows me I think I can drink. That's my insanity. I'll think I can drink. And then I try to drink, but it triggers this phenomenon of craving. All of a sudden, I want to shoot dope. Right. It triggers my allergy and takes me to other substances. So that's why it doesn't matter what someone thinks their drug of choice is. Uh, you can be allergic to all sorts of substances. I'll give one more example that's particular to me. Um, in my late 20s, I abused Adderall that was prescribed to me. Yeah. Um, in my 30s, while I was on drugs, I did a lot of methamphetamine. Um, and so fast forward five, six years, I finally get sober. I finally work all the 12 steps. And I'm nine months sober. I was living with a boyfriend at the time. Sorry, honey. Different guy. I was living. And so I had a, <laughs> no, follow me. I'm nine months sober. And so I had a sinus infection going on, some sort of pressure in my head, you know, sinus wise. You were with the wrong guy and you were having an allergic reaction. <laughs> so I went to the kitchen, the bathroom cabinet, and I pulled out a box of Sudafed and I took one Sudafed to try to alleviate the sinus pressure I was experiencing. Mm hmm 30 minutes later, I felt geetered out like I was coming down off a three-day meth binge. And if you've ever done that, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, you have no clue what I'm talking about. But I panicked because I felt like I needed to take another Sudafed. And I'm like, what is going on? It affected you in an adverse way. So I called my sponsor and I said, what is going on? She goes, Heather, stupid. You're allergic. Your brain chemistry does not know the difference between Adderall prescribed to you, meth you bought under the highway, or Sudafed because pseudoephedrine is contained in Sudafed, which is what they use to make methamphetamine. And so my brain did not know the difference with a stimulant. I can't take a diet drug like that has fentermine. It's a stimulant. So it goes back to a place where it, you had that drug in your system and it relates. It, my brain, my neural pathways relate to that. And they're like, oh my God, this is good. This is what you like. You need more. So that's allergy. So if we start with that restless, irritable, and discontented, and we suddenly think that taking drink number one is a good idea for whatever reason. Trigger the allergy. Which is what we call the peculiar mental twist. It's the insanity, right? Yeah. If I'm even thinking about this cycle, if I'm thinking about my drinking, and if I've stopped, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Why would I put it in my body again? Why would I yeah. do that again? So I have insane thinking that means that... I have found a reason that it's going to be okay this time. Mm -hmm. And the problem with putting drink number one in my body is that now the allergy kicks in. And, and I don't have control. And now I've lost control. And I want to say one other thing. I meet a lot of people getting sober, you and I both too. And one common thing I hear when they're back in detox or they're back in the rooms is, well, I was doing great for five years. Yeah. Or I was doing great for six months. Or I was doing great for eight years or 12 years or whatever it is. And I said, no, you weren't. You drank again. Right. You just think you were doing okay. Right. 
Uh, you weren't. And so what was going on that led you then? A lot of people think, well, I had so much time sober. I must not be an alcoholic or I had so much time sober. I can safely take this if it's prescribed to me. It, it also goes back to that that he, time on restless irritable and discontented. Yeah. People have sat in restless irritable and discontented years. for years and years not thinking about taking a drink. Yeah. But what happens is their life gets so unmanageable and so miserable that a drink becomes a good idea. And so then, boom. For insert reason. I take drink number one. Trigger the allergy. The allergy kicks. Now I'm on a spree. So we've gone from restless, irritable, discontented to insane thinking to allergy or... Uh, phenomenon of craving. Now we're on to the next number yeah, four, so which is a spree. spree and so you go on a spree, which just is a binge or a bender. It is any period of continued use, and everybody is different. Someone listening, it might be just one night, it might be a weekend, it might be two weeks, it might be five years. But it's a spree. It's a spree. It's a period of continued use. You can sleep, you can go to work, but the goal is to get loaded again as and soon so as you can. At some point, you come <laughs> off the bender, yeah. you wake up, and you go, oh my God, what have I done again? And so this is I the told f- everybody, I told my wife, my brother, my dad, I told everybody I was going to quit, and here I've gone and done it again. So this is the fifth stage. It's called emerging remorseful. Re- yep. And so you're going to regret what you've done. You're, you're going to be disgusted with yourself that you've done it again because maybe you promised your family you wouldn't drink again and then you freaking did it again and you look like a liar. Yep. And you're like, this is not the way my life's supposed to go. Something's got to change. And then you hit that firm resolution. All right, we'll you know what? In a I'm never going to do this again. And I mean it with every fiber of my being. I so, want to dissect that. After all right, the break. We'll, we'll jump into it when we get back. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Relevant Recovery Radio with your host, Heather, Heather and, and Donnie, Donnie Moser. Moser. Yeah, today we're talking about... The cycle of addiction. The cycle of addiction. And I want to hurry up and kind of get through it without... I don't want to rush through it, but I want to... You're rushing me right now. I want to help people relate it to other addictions. Because okay, so, so, I had to do that in my sobriety. So... Uh, you know which one? Several. Listen, all, of them. all of them. So what I'm saying is the um, after a spree, you're going to emerge remorseful. Emerging remorseful is the fifth stage. And so you're going to regret what you've done. You're going to be really embarrassed. You're going to be very shameful because you promised people. And so out of that shame, out of that guilt, out of that disgust, you're going to move on to the last stage, which is the sixth one, which is called a firm resolution. You're going to be like, that's it. I am done. I am never touching this crap again. And maybe you tell everybody in your family you're done. You swear. Maybe well, you we see that in the rooms all the maybe time. You don't, I'm done. Maybe you don't tell anybody. Um, maybe you pour out all your alcohol or flush it all. I don't. I'm a finisher. I'm not a quitter. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna finish do it my all. stuff. I'm not wasting money. Doesn't matter. What I'm saying is, inside you feel like you made a firm resolution. You're never gonna do it again. But here's the problem. If you have chronic addiction, you don't actually have the power to make that decision. You're going to grow restless and irritable and discontented again. Sober. Yeah. And you're going to be miserable, a dry drunk, and unhappy in your sobriety. You're going to be miserable going to meetings. You're going to be completely unhappy. And you're going to be like, if this is recovery, I don't want it. Correct. And eventually, the insane idea is going to get you. And you're going to make an insane decision to try the game again and put something else in your body, which ignites the allergy again and sends you on a spree again. And then you emerge remorseful again and you make another firm resolution. I'm never touching that again. And if you want to have a visual, if you could just picture a circle... We call it the cycle, but it's the circle. Restless, irritable, and discontented at the top. And you're going to go restless, irritable, and discontented, insanity, allergy, spree, Spree. remorse, 
firm resolution, resolution back, back to, to restless, restless irritable discontented and we call it Satan's merry-go-round. And you'll repeat this cycle over and over and over unless you experience a complete internal change or you're dead. Um, that's Those are the two ways to stop. Those are two, two ways we've found. Yeah, I don't know another way. I haven't seen another way work. <clears throat> um, and so this really works with anything that's not even just drugs and alcohol. Let me run them through food. Do food. Go ahead, baby. Because <clears throat> I have struggled with that. Yeah. Right? And so... When you're I, abstinent from I have had cake. trouble with food. I've had a bad relationship with food since I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I got up to 340 pounds. I'm down to, oh, by the way, today, 205. Good, baby. Yeah. All right. So here is how the cycle looks for me on food with food addiction is that I get off. I get on a diet. I figure out which diet it is. I'm going to do the South Beach, the juicing. I mean, the list is longer than my arms. So you've committed to a diet. I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking abstinent from cake and carbs or whatever. Right. And so I'm sticking to it. By the way, when I'm not eating the things that release that dopamine in my brain that give me the ease and comfort, I am restless, irritable, and discontented. Mm-hmm. So then I'm at dinner with friends, some and special dinner, and they bring out that special cake that I haven't had. And I'm like, you know what? But you haven't had it in like... Th- I remember one time we were at Empire. You s- you've seen this. I've seen this with you so many times that you were doing so good. And then you're like four or five months into this. And then we're at Empire and you're like... See, I've done good, Heather. I can have one. Just one. I can have a piece of cake, right? And that, you're, you're trying to convince me that it's okay for you to have cake. And, and I'm like, oh, is, no, I know what's going to happen here. And explain why it's insanity. You've watched it's it. It's insane because you cannot just have a piece of cake. It doesn't exist for you because once you take a bite of cake, you are off rails because of the allergy. Now Correct. you're eating all the Oreos and all the cake and all the carbs. And now we're in Whataburger drive through and, yeah. and then you are not fun to live with. While you're on a spree. Right, because I have an allergy to carbs. I have an allergy to sugar. And when I put sugar in my body, I just want more. Yeah. All right, so I'm out to dinner. It's something special. They bring the special cake. I convince myself that this time it will be different. This time I'm just going to have this piece of cake with dinner. This is it. Yeah, and it's not. You lie to yourself and you believe the lie. You really think. I eat first cake. Boom, (laughs) I'm honest. This is all real, too. And then the allergy kicks in, and next thing you know, I'm sneaking carbs, I'm eating carbs, I'm eating sugar, and I go on a spree. And for me, it's about two weeks, because when I go off rails, I leave the train track, go three states over and to the left. (laughs) Like, I go off rails. You eat all the things. At the end of the spree, here I am. I'm feeling sick, bloated. You're disgusted with yourself. I'm so disgusted that I've done this again. I'm embarrassed. I'm Mm -hmm. shameful. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, that's it. I'm never doing this again. Mm -hmm. I'm never doing it again. But what happens? (laughs) You try to abstain. You try to avoid your triggers and you are miserable in that. And some time passes. And and then you have an idea. And when you talk about a complete psychic change, so I have been on Satan's merry-go-round with food since I was 12. Mm Mm-hmm. The only thing that has gotten it under control. We haven't talked about the solution yet. Oh, well, well we should probably do it before the end of the day. I know. <laughs> but I'm just saying I'm So try- that's food. That's so that's food. food. You can apply that to, to porn. Shopping, you can sex apply addiction. It to to uh-huh. money, like whatever it is. You can apply this to any addiction or anything that is out of hand in your life. And so when you have uh, the insanity of the mind and you have the allergy of the body, that really just means you have no choice. You're going to cave and do it again. And then you're not going to have control over the amount once you do. And, and you're going to repeat that cycle over and over. And by the way, so I came into the 12-step fellowship on the cycle of drugs and alcohol. Within a year, I was on the cycle with food, mm-hmm. porn, yeah. 
shopping. Yeah. Because when you took the ease and comfort of drugs and alcohol you had to away search from for me, something else. I had to find something. And so I found all the somethings. All the somethings. And I think that so when you when you deal with chronic addiction like this, um, the 12 step belief for the last 88 years is that there, there requires a spiritual solution to it. And I'm not saying that means go to church. There's plenty right. of church people who have no freedom around this sort of stuff. Right. We're not talking about that in in that sort of way. Now we're saying that we're not saying it doesn't work either because I also know people that have absolutely been freed from addiction. True, but I don't want them to misunderstand me of where they think I'm just like okay. preaching some religion. Uh, and and, it, and I'm not. I'm saying that I need power. My mm. experience has proven to me that I don't have the uh, enough willpower within me to execute the firm resolution decision that I cave and go back to it, that my mind plays tricks on me and convinces me to do it again. So my experience has shown me with drugs and alcohol that I need power. And your experience with not just drugs and alcohol, but also sex and porn and shopping and food, that All you need it. power. All of it. And so the reason and someone... I need, and what I need is ease and comfort. Yeah, you want to feel comfortable in your own skin. You want to be happy and abstinent, right? <laughs> and so... That's why anyone would enter the 12-step world. The whole 12-step philosophy is built on the idea that you work these 12 steps and you get connected to power, power that I don't have. Lack of power is our dilemma. And so the whole point of working these steps is to get connected to a power greater than yourself, a power that restores you to sanity, a power that prevents you from that insane idea. And with this list of addictions that I've had in my life, this list of things that I don't have the power to control... What's happening is that now I have not had a drink or drug in my body in over 10 years. But in that 10-year span, I have battled with, and the reason I'm saying this list is shopping, you know, money. Money, food, porn, I don't know, there's probably more. The re And so what happens is I would get one under control at a time. Mm-hmm. I haven't been drinking all this time, but I, I have a money problem. Well, I get it under control and then I'd start eating. And mm-hmm. then I'd get the eating under control and I'd, the porn addiction would pop in them. And i get that under control. So it's I whack-a-mole. call that spiritual whack-a-mole. Spiritual whack-a-mole, right? And I could never... Get them all down. I could never get off that <laughs> Satan's merry-go-round with everything all at once yeah. for good. like yeah. or, or for any any sustained period of time, as I guess I should and say. I think, so the goal is the solution must be spiritual and any sort of spirituality that you're, you're okay to get down with. It doesn't have to be the 12 steps, but it's one path that's worked for us, yeah. right, you know, is what I'm saying. And uh, once I got connected to power... Um, Quickly talk about that because we're running out of time. Let's hmm. get this solution on the table. What I want to say is that today and for a period of time now, I have not had an issue with any of the above. Yeah. Right? They are all off the table. I'm not on the merry-go-round. And the reason is is because I have been taking spiritual steps and actions from our 12 Steps Fellowship to get connected. Clear the way, remove my reliance on self, push my Mm -hmm. reliance to God. And God is providing me the validation, the comfort, the peace. He's providing me everything that I need. That's been my experience too, is like the goal is is to stop trying to manage my life myself. And the goal is to figure out what do I need to do, how I live my life to let a higher power manage my life for me instead of me. Um, And once I find out how to live that way, not only am I restored to some power where God gives me the power to not do it, but I'm happy and sober at the same time. And besides that, you don't have time to manage you. You're managing (laughs) me all the time. Very, very true. Uh, So that's the cycle of addiction. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. I can even email you a picture of the cycle of addiction. And don't forget, those who stand for nothing 
will fall for anything. Thanks for listening to our show today. Relevant Recovery Radio. Hashtag God, though.